0: this, this is Sports Talk Mississippi on your radio and in the game right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Good Monday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi new week. Glad to have you along for the ride. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Sports talk streaming online at supertalk.fm. If you ever miss anything, you can go back and catch the podcast in which uh, you can get the entire show in a slightly condensed version. And of course, it's always streaming online at supertalk.fm. You can go to the on demand section and listen at your convenience as well. Uh, good to be back. A couple of days off for me on Thursday and, uh, and Friday and uh, get to spend a little bit of time with the family. So uh,
2: all good there, boys. What's up, Borky? How are you? I'm doing well, uh, even though uh, a strange day yesterday, to to say the least. And I know we're going to spend a lot of time on it. Um, My timing yesterday, uh, I was in an NBA arena um, just a few short hours after the news broke that Kobe Bryant was killed in a helicopter accident. And I've been to a lot of games in my life and a lot of different places. I've been to NFL games and college football games, NBA, Major League Baseball. I've been to all of it. And that was the most unique and, um, I guess unique's the word, atmosphere I've ever been in before. Uh, the You could tell the players' minds were elsewhere. Uh, the crowd, which was a good crowd uh, numbers-wise, was really subdued. And all of the focus, all of the attention was, was paid on, on his passing, and it felt... It kind of felt odd getting into the basketball. You could see it on the players' faces. Uh, they, they were not there. I mean, they played, and actually played well. Um, it was an entertaining basketball game, but yeah. you could tell their minds were were somewhere else. It, it was a very um, sad atmosphere.
1: Yeah, I thought about you yesterday because I, I couldn't remember for sure, but I was thinking that yesterday was the day that you were going down for the, the game, and your concern was... You know whether or not the crowd was going to be too loud for uh, for little man, um, and and whether or not he was going to be able to handle it. And then all of a sudden, it takes on an altogether different feeling. Sometimes when you go to a, a an environment that's a little bit different, surreal uh, is the word that that comes to mind and maybe gets overused a little bit. Was it a little surreal though yesterday? Kind of going
2: through that. It was, and especially. So walking into the being around town and walking into the arena and getting your tickets scanned and and I grabbed a beer and, and getting to the seat didn't feel much different. And then they did before the game. They they blacked out the arena, had his a picture of him with um, uh, in loving memory of Kobe Bryant on the the video board, yeah. and did a twenty four second countdown. So they did that.
1: Was New Orleans where they did 24.8 seconds?
2: If they did, I, I honestly, I, I don't remember. Yeah. Um,
1: but, I knew, but there, I knew there was a countdown with the blackout, and I think it was New Orleans yesterday where they put 24.8 on the clock to, to honor both numbers that he wore uh, with the Lakers. Obviously, this is the news that has been everywhere for oh, about the last 26 hours or so. Uh, so we had gone to the beach yesterday And I tried to do a better job Of not looking at my phone while I was driving <laughs> Considering uh, my wife and kids Were in the car And my wife uh, has a uh, gentle way of reminding me That I don't need to look at my phone So we're scrolling Or rolling along on the highway And I, I see just as we were about to pull off And you know take a restroom break for the kids And you know, get gas for the car The TMZ report And I thought you got to be kidding me. And then almost immediately, uh, you start getting confirmation from, I guess, what would be considered to be more reputable news sources, although TMZ has, uh, you know, they, they seem to be right a whole lot more often than they are wrong. Uh, but obviously, the news Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gianna, who everybody called Gigi, and seven others, uh, killed in a helicopter crash in Calabasas, California yesterday. Uh, they were on their way to a basketball tournament, a uh, basketball game in which his daughter and uh, was playing, and there was another teammate of hers and uh, other parents that were on the, uh, on the helicopter as well. And just so many angles, but the tributes began immediately. And for all of the um, for all the negative that goes along with social media, There are certain news items that, in a way that really in human history has never existed, the spread of information is almost immediate. And you go from nobody knows it to there's one report to everybody basically on the planet has heard the news within an hour. And it's a little bit crazy that news can be disseminated that quickly, but that certainly is what happened yesterday Hey, Dad, I know you are a Lakers fan. We joke with you about that. We poke fun with you about it. But as somebody who's been a Lakers fan for a long time, you you were kind of there following along for all 20 years of Kobe's career with, uh, with, with the purple and gold there in Los Angeles.
0: Yeah. Um, he's like the first athlete that I can think of off the top of my head that I saw his whole career uh, and saw him become more than just an athlete. And somebody that I thought would outlive me, you know, I thought I would go before Kobe Bryant did, because he's—I'm I mean, I'm older than he was. Yeah. And I mean, I was just in shock. I was just numb, gutted yesterday, just awful. Um, you know, I had to go to cover the uh, the MSU, Ole Miss women's basketball game, and I—I uh, was in the uh, the media room. Everybody's eating, and I, I just—I couldn't take it. Everybody's talking and going. I just couldn't take it, so I went downstairs and. I, got to, I sat on press rope by myself for like an hour and a half just looking at stuff on Twitter and looking at videos of Kobe and stuff. And, uh, you know, covered the game and sort of got through that. I, I remember walking off the court, and I, I guess I looked sad. And somebody stopped me, and they were just like, you look so you look so defeated. What's wrong? And I told them, I was like, I'm a massive Lakers fan, and this, this just gutted me. And, she, and they were like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I never met Kobe Bryant. But he was a huge part of my life. And, uh, yeah, it, it hurt for sure. You know, what you said about thinking that he
1: would outlive you is something that that kind of struck me yesterday. Because I, I said to Jane, you know, you, you think about some of the old NBA players that are around today. And I'm not talking Michael Jordan old. I'm talking... Bill Russell and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who've been out of the game for 30, almost 40 years in in some cases at this point, and yet they're still kind of ambassadors for the game. And I go, you expected, and you never know, because life hands us curveballs, but you expected 40 years from now to get the news that Kobe Bryant has passed away. And the tributes for him at that point would have been much different than they were yesterday, but... His basketball career would have lent itself to massive tributes regardless of when it when, when his ultimate death occurred. And then I got to thinking about you know some of the great Lakers and I said to Jane and, and and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way at all, just very matter of fact. who would have ever guessed, ever guessed that Kobe Bryant would go before Magic Johnson went? Yeah. You know Magic Johnson in the early 90s, was diagnosed with HIV. And in some ways, he's probably more healthy today than he was for the Dream Team Olympics group in 1992. And, you know, that speaks to advances in medical science and his ability to get the, you know, the, the medications that he has needed uh, to be able to live with that dreaded illness, disease, however you want to classify it. But, you never would have thought, oh yeah, Kobe will be gone before Magic is gone. Rippy, one of the things that was fascinating to me um, last night, every now and then you get with, you, you come across players who are transcendent beyond a specific sport. And watching SportsCenter last night, it was fascinating to me to see, you know, you, you expected the tributes in NBA circles. But you were getting recognition from Tiger Woods immediately after his final round at Tory Pines, and Neymar, the world-class soccer player who pays tribute, and Alex Ovechkin, a world-class hockey player who pays tribute. Everywhere you turned, people were paying tribute to Kobe Bryant.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think he was a lot more outgoing in terms of, like, like Kobe seemed to gravitate towards people that were great and at the top of whatever industry they were in and whatever they did and it's like I mean that's you don't always get that with all basketball players are all superstars in general I mean like no one really even knows who Kawhi Leonard is you don't know hardly about him he doesn't speak two three words hardly together that actually like give you any light on who he is and Kobe was probably completely the opposite in that sense so he always he was very outgoing seemed to gravitate and want to help people both at the top because like a lot of the people he met were people that had had you know devastating injuries and him reaching out and them becoming friends over that as he helped them through rehab and stuff like that. So pretty outgoing guy that had friends in a lot of circles, not just in basketball.
1: Because this is such a big sports story uh, globally, not just even in the United States and certainly not just in California, but globally, we'll spend some time on it this afternoon. And we're going to try and come at it from a little bit different angle than maybe uh, some other places do. Coming up next on the Farm Bureau phone line, we'll be joined by Joe Klein, former Arkansas Razorback, who was the sixth pick of the 1985 NBA draft and spend a short time in Kobe's rookie season as a teammate of Kobe Bryant. Joe will join us next on the Farm Bureau phone line, Sports Talk Mississippi. Just getting started with you on this Monday. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Monday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippy. Time for us to go for the first time today to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Very first time that Joe Klein has appeared on Sports Talk Mississippi with us. You may remember Joe from his time with the Arkansas Razorbacks in the early 80s. He was the sixth pick of the 1985 NBA draft, drafted by Sacramento, played in an extended NBA career with the Kings, the Celtics, the Suns, the Lakers, the Nets, the Bulls, and the Trailblazers, and in 1997 spent part of that season uh, with the aforementioned Los Angeles Lakers that was Kobe Bryant's rookie year in Los Angeles. Joe, appreciate you spending a few minutes with us this afternoon. Always good to talk to you, my friend.
4: Thank you, Richard. Thanks for having me on.
1: So, when when you heard the news yesterday, uh, it was, you know, shortly after lunchtime and I talked a, a few minutes ago about how quickly this news spread across the entire country, maybe even across the globe. What was your initial reaction to the news that that Kobe Bryant and his his young daughter Gigi, along with seven others, had uh, had gone down in a, a helicopter crash?
4: Uh, well, first you know it, it was just reported Kobe, so you were you were sad, and then when you hear his daughter was on there with another with her one of her teammates and another uh, mom or dad, you know, just family people with kids it just got real sad and uh, you sad. it just kind of disbelief and uh, very surreal. I mean, it just, especially the night before so much was being talked about, Kobe, you know, LeBron uh, breaking his record and everything. Uh, It just uh, it was then the very next morning all that happened and just, uh, just didn't seem right. So
1: take me back to, to 1997. At that point, you had been in the league for 11, 12 years. Um, you, you end up in Los Angeles as the result of a trade, and that time that you were with the Lakers coincided with the rookie season for Kobe. What do you remember about the, the time that you guys were teammates?
4: Well, I mean, Richard... You know, this whole high school thing was just kind of coming to fruition. I mean, there were a few Kevin Garnett and and Kobe, and and you know, a lot of most of the veterans were kind of like uh, the old "get off my yard" guy. You know, <laughs> and just uh, you know how you know who you know who the heck do you think you are? I mean, you're 17, and you and you're reverting back to when you were 17, and you know, I couldn't have played in the NBA at 17. I probably couldn't have been a manager in the NBA at 17. And so you're (laughs) kind of like, how dare you? What the audacity and, and you just, you didn't like it. And, uh, you didn't, you know, you didn't think that they had earned their quote unquote dues. And so it was, I didn't think a lot of people were real warm to it. And, uh, you know I, I got traded with robert Horry from phoenix to the lakers for cedric saballis and uh you know i was kind of just thrown in to make the deal work from a salary cap so i knew i wasn't going to be there very long but um i was i was uh you know working out and i was a guy that was a uh, towards the end of my career so i had to come early and stay late and Stay in shape because you know at that point of your career you're like you're like a doctor on call you know, or somebody who's on call. You you don't know if you're going to play, not going to play. If somebody doesn't show up, somebody gets sick. You're going to play, so you you, you got to stay ready. And so I was always in there early and staying late. And the first thing I realized is you know, he was always in there too. And he was only getting about six, seven points a game and playing a little bit. And he was wild and but very. Um, mature very aware uh, very respectful to veteran players I think that came from his dad jelly bean Bryant being with the 76ers for so many years that he was very respectful to veterans and he worked you know and I remember going home with my wife and you know you know because when you know you tell you talk to your wife about everything and you know she had heard me you know you know these damn high school kids rah, 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 you know and she was like well how's this Kobe kid and I remember looking at her going you know what he's he's gonna be all right I mean the kid really works and uh he's on time and he listens and he's respectful and I you know nobody knew he was going to be what he became but I knew he was going he was going to leave a mark and knew that he was going to be a damn good NBA player and I didn't know it was going to be that what it what it became but you know just from the standpoint of being professional in his craft at 17 18 years old was remarkable to me and so I, I really that's the thing I really remember
1: Joe Klein was drafted in 1985 by Sacramento played in the league until the 99 2000 season finished up uh, things in Portland in uh, in the year 2000 uh, former Arkansas razorback worked some with the SEC network as well Joe was there a point where Kobe and, and you kind of mentioned the work ethic, and that's something that a lot of people have talked about. And, and the fact that he was a legitimate two-way player—he just didn't, he wasn't just an offensive star. He played guys and, and played hard on the defensive end. Was there a point where you sensed that veterans kind of embraced uh, that? Uh, okay, yeah, maybe he was only in high school a year ago, but but this guy does fit in the league.
4: Yeah, I mean everybody. I mean everybody liked accepted him because in practice, I mean he he practiced and he, and he competed and he you know he was a first round pick and, and coming out of high school and all that but he he competed and he didn't complain. Like when he didn't play a lot or didn't play good or you didn't see him pouting and you know complaining and you know the coach doesn't like me and we gotta get rid of the coach and I mean you know, he would ask players and you would see guys who are successful and you know I read a tweet from Rex Chapman that said his first or second year you know Rex said, said he got real hot one night and, against the Lakers and just had a phenomenal game and he, like Kobe's second year and Kobe was they were at the free of the line and Kobe's asked him you know about his shoot, how he shoots in the off season what's his routine what's he do and how does he, you know, does he shoot every day? And, and things that nature, he was digging and looking. And, and he, like you said a minute ago, he was competitive. I mean, that's the thing that he didn't just want to score points. I mean, he wanted to beat you. And that that's the, that's the Michael Jordan gene. That's the Larry Bird gene. You know, the, the greats of all time that they didn't, Bill Russell, you know, they just didn't want to score and have a good game. They wanted to shut you down and beat you, and that that's that competitive fire that so many great players don't have. They'll have the jumping and the, and, the, and the length and the speed and the athletic ability and so on and so forth, but when it comes down to the pure competitive fire that just burns inside and keeps you up at night when you lose and keeps you up at night and drives you to work, you know, not a lot of guys have combination of both, and he was one of them, for sure.
1: Joe, only a couple of minutes left. Uh, Joe Klein visiting with us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. I, I heard this last night. Um, I, I don't remember where. So many people have talked about this, but it, it was a fascinating take to me that you don't have to be proclaimed the greatest of all time, but if you're in the conversation, like, like if I can say Okay, maybe Kobe Bryant wasn't the greatest of all time, but he's in the conversation, then that's enough. Does that make sense to you? That, that maybe we can't oh, I mean, say definitively it was MJ or Kobe or Kareem or Wilt Chamberlain, but if you're part of that conversation, then then you did it.
4: No doubt. And, I mean, everybody's had it. You've had it. Everybody in your studio at one time or another has had the MJ-Kobe conversation. You know, sure. Everybody's had it. And that says enough. I mean the old guys like me, when when you can make an argument for Kobe over MJ and an intelligent person has with reason has to sit there and go, You know, you got a point there. You, yeah, you got a point there. Yeah, and then you have but if you're an MJ guy you scream, He's got six rings, Kobe's got five, and you run out of the room, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, if you're in that, like you said, I mean, when you're in the conversation with Michael, you're there.
1: No question about that. Joe, really appreciate you spending a few minutes of time and kind of lending some perspective. Uh, there are not many guys that can say that they had a locker next to Kobe Bryant in the NBA. You certainly are one of them. Uh, thanks so much for a little bit of time this afternoon.
4: Thank you, Richard. Good luck with everything. Hope to see you soon.
1: Absolutely. We'll see you soon, my friend. That's Joe Klein. He's done some work with the SEC Network over the last couple of years as a college basketball analyst, long NBA career, drafted in the first round of the 1985 draft by the Sacramento Kings, spent part of that 1997 season as a a teammate of Kobe Bryant. And uh, you heard Joe talking about it uh, just like many, many others have as well. The work ethic was what stood out with Kobe Bryant more than anything else. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at Supertalk.fm. I'm Richard Cross, Michael Borke, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. If you want to be a part of the show? You can do so on the SeaSpire text line. The number is 601-879-4395. This winter, skip the waiting room and beat cold and flu season faster with Seaspire Health. Just download the app and schedule a visit to connect with a trusted UMMC clinician right from your phone. They can treat tons of non-emergency conditions and symptoms like fevers, aches, coughing and sneezing over video chat. And the best part, no insurance is required. They can even send needed prescriptions to your local pharmacy. And for a limited time, if you're a C Spire customer, the visits are just $29. You can learn more at cspirehealth.com, CSpire. Customer Inspired. Again, the number for the text line, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. I'm curious, y- your reaction to yesterday's news about Kobe Bryant. Uh, I had lunch with a uh, a friend of mine today uh, who works for ESPN, the SEC Network. He's broadcasting uh, the uh, Ole Miss-Auburn game tomorrow night. Uh, Kevin Fitzgerald, and, and we talked a little bit about this, that you know, it's just kind of been all-consuming or or all-encompassing, at least for the uh, for the last you know twenty-four hours. Because everywhere you look, it is all Kobe, and it's tributes and remembrances. And you start to realize how many people he uh, affected. Fascinating that that Borky, in the midst of all the stuff that you've heard and all the people that have come out to talk glowingly about Kobe Bryant, that there's one that stood out to me for kind of a different reason. If you're a women's college basketball fan, I know many aren't, but many are because of Mississippi State, you're going to remember this name. The outstanding player, Hey Dad from Oregon, Sabrina Inescu, Inescu yeah. or I may not be pronouncing it exactly right. But she was interviewed after the game. The Oregon women's team, like just about everybody else, found out yesterday afternoon it was right before they played a game. Kobe Bryant... And this may be surprising to some, but I think largely because of his daughters has taken a huge interest in the women's game, women's college basketball, women's high school basketball, grassroots basketball for, for girls, grassroots basketball for girls and the WNBA as well and has developed a lot of relationships. And Sabrina Ionescu talked about the friendship. Like, not a mentorship, or uh, this is a guy that gave me some advice, but the friendship he had develop- she had developed with Kobe Bryant over the last couple of years and the support that he had been to her, this is a guy that touched a lot of different areas beyond just the NBA community.
0: Yeah, they, they did have a, a great relationship, and he had uh, he had done that. I know that a few years back, Victoria Vivian's here at Mississippi State and Tierra McCowan got to meet Kobe Bryant. And you know, that they were very starstruck by that, as as I'm sure they, I'm sure that even I would have been, you know, had I ever had the chance to meet him. Um, and you know, like I said, it goes back to his daughter, who he was basically, from what I can tell, grooming to to carry on a, another basketball legacy of of his name. And you know, she had already uh, built a relationship with Gino Oriema at UConn, and was sort of, you know, uh, smitten with that program. And you know, had thoughts of you know maybe one day being able to play. I was, I, I would, you know, I I was aware of that before yesterday, and I was wondering if we were to ever to have a day where Kobe Bryant made an official visit to Mississippi State to see Vic Schaefer and 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 company, if if his daughter was that big of a prospect, which it looked like she was going to be, yeah. even at that young age. So, the the, the daughter, you know. People go, man. You know, and I get that. It's you know, it's part of life. But as a father, man, I can't imagine what those final seconds were. I keep thinking about that, Richard. I keep thinking like, you do everything you can to keep your your children safe, and then there's a moment, and he may have only had ten or fifteen seconds where he was on his mind was, I'm going to die, and so is my little girl, and that is the most horrifying thought I I can possibly imagine. How hard? I mean, like I said, I don't know how long he had for that, but he had to have a second or two. And that, that, it, it just kills me, man.
1: Yeah, that's, it's well said and, and it's tough.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I went back and you, you can find it online if you're so inclined. The air traffic control audio
0: with, ooh, no, 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 no.
1: Well, but, but it's not, it's not graphic at all. Mm hmm. And you you don't hear, you know, the the final seconds or the final minute before it crashes because the helicopter lost radar communication.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And and it's about a a four-and-a-half-minute clip, and they may have edited out a little bit, but I don't think there was a lot that was – well, there was, because there was time elapsed. But they pieced together all the communication. And the thing that is is fascinating to me is – okay, you've heard the the news from the Los Angeles uh, County Police Department – that they grounded their helicopters because of low visibility yesterday. But everything sounds routine in the communication between the pilot and air traffic control. And they start out in communication with um, the Orange County Airport, John Wayne, and then they pass that along to uh, the Van Nuys air traffic control. And then there's a a third air traffic control, Southern California is how it's labeled, where they, they pass off for, for the final leg of the journey, and that's when they lose communication, and it's evident that obviously something uh, bad has happened. But all there, there was no nervous communication. There was no indication that something was wrong with the helicopter or that there was pilot error or any of these things were hap- happening, and the National Transportation Security uh, NTSB I've got the, the words wrong. The NTSB will take a long time going through their investigation, and hopefully, you know, for the sake of closure, we'll at some point be able to know exactly what happened. But you don't know that from the immediate reaction. You know the conditions were not great for flying in Southern California yesterday, um, but it sounded as if there was nothing uh, that was out of the, the ordinary uh, when you listen to that. Um you want to be a part of the uh, of the conversation? You can on the ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Darren, I, I get what you're you're trying to do. I think, and I, I'll mention this, but it may not be exactly in the vein that you want it mentioned. We're obviously talking about Kobe Bryant. It's a massive global story yesterday, and you point out that there was a deadly helicopter crash yesterday that killed thirty Marines and a sailor. If the point that you're trying to make is we should be talking about that as well, okay, valid point. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be talking about the biggest story in sports and news. And if you have a question as to whether or not it's the biggest story in sports or news, I would point you to 9 o'clock last night. I had it on ESPN, and they had this ongoing tribute to Kobe Bryant. And then the screen went to black with kind of a, a, a memorial page, if you will, And then it came back, and the only time I can remember this happening was during a simulcast of an NFL playoff game where it was on ABC and on ESPN. But last night you had an hour-long special that was a simulcast, ABC and ESPN, hosted by Robin Roberts with Michael Strahan and Tom Rinaldi. And they did an interview with Jerry West and uh, an interview with Michael Wilbon and a couple of other things. That's how big a story this was, that this was not an ESPN story last night. It was an ABC story. And Borky, maybe the the most fascinating thing to me, and and Jane asked me about this at one point, she's like, why do they keep mentioning China? And there were a lot of people that pointed out, Jerry West maybe chief among them, that Kobe Bryant was not an American superstar. He was a global superstar superstar, and that the fans in China, specifically, and Asia more generally, were unbelievably drawn to Kobe Bryant.
2: It's hard to fathom uh, the the international popularity, and um, he was my generation. Um, I think it was Lonzo Ball yesterday said that he's our generation's Jordan. See, I wasn't old enough uh, to really get to appreciate and watch and see Michael Jordan. I think his last title was, was it 99? Um, I was seven. So I don't remember that. But Kobe Bryant's last title was 2010. Um, I was 17. So my generation grew up with him. And maybe that's partially due to the internet exploding and then Uh, what David Stern was able to do to the NBA at the time to where instead of the finals being on tape delay it became this international phenomenon all kind of worked at the same time as he was coming up and uh, I mean China and Europe uh, it was breaking news all over the world today because he was the first maybe not the first but he was an international superstar of epic proportion uh, to a level that we can hardly comprehend because you know we only live here in the United States but Man, I, I grew up on Kobe Bryant and his greatness. That, that yeah. was what I remember about NBA basketball was was him and Shaq and, and those teams and the dominant Lakers because of him. And, and several of you have,
1: have pointed out, and I'll be honest, I, I, Darren, I don't know if you were duped or if you were looking for a gotcha moment, but apparently the, the crash that I referenced a second ago that you referenced in your text happened in 2005. So It was, it was January it was 6th attempted of gacha two, moment That's of what it 2005, was. so thanks for trying to play the gotcha game. And I get the point you were trying to make. It just wasn't a relevant point for now. Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming online at supertalk.fm. Quick first hour. We will wrap it up with you after a short break. You can text the show on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. yeah. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. We're glad to have you along. Kind of stick with the Kobe conversation as we wrap up the first hour, then we'll transition into other stuff from the weekend. We may circle back to it in the 5 o'clock hour. Good conversation with Joe Klein, who played at Arkansas and had a 15-year NBA career, 14-year NBA career, uh, including a, a little bit of time as a teammate of Kobe Bryant's. We will uh, we'll play that for you again coming up a little bit later this afternoon in the five o'clock hour. In uh, in case you missed it, you can be a part of the conversation on the ceasefire text line six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. Um, some of the tributes that you saw in the uh, in the NBA last night. What what did they what do they mean? How moving did you think they were? And to, to me, the initial opening tip of the game, and I think it was in the game between Houston and San Antonio. Was it Houston and San Antonio uh, Antonio yesterday? Yes, it was. So the opening tip, uh, Fred, Vland, uh, Fred Van Vliet gets the ball, dribbles it into the front corner. It was the Raptors and the Spurs. Uh, So Van Vliet takes the opening tip, dribbles it into the front court, and then dribbles out the entire 24-second shot clock. And it takes a moment for everybody to kind of realize what's happening. And then San San Antonio does the exact same thing. And, Borky, you witnessed that also happen in New Orleans yesterday. Maybe not that specifically, but a 24-second tribute.
2: Well, they did both. So they did a pregame silent 24-second clock rundown and then they had player introductions and then did the opening tip and both Lonzo Ball and Campbell Walker uh, held possessions for 24 seconds and then they really actually started the game and uh, we were driving down when the news broke and I, I didn't get emotional I mean I was very sad it's a sad moment but I didn't you know how you you get a different feeling I didn't get the pit of my stomach feeling until that happened I don't know why that was what what hit me because you could see it on the players' faces. I mean, three of the guys on the court played for the Lakers last season. Um, Another one was a teammate of his somewhere in an Olympic, um, one of the Olympic situations way back in the day. Um, Or one of the coaches, I mean. They all had some kind of connection to him one way or another. And seeing it on their faces as they were standing there supposed to play a basketball game, for some reason, that's when it hit me. Because I saw... I was watching a bunch of kids, and that's what some of these guys are, 19-, 20-year-olds who spent their entire life working hours a day, every single day with him in mind, modeled their games after him. A couple of the players after the game said they modeled their jump shot after him, so such a big part of their life, their idol, why they're on the court right then, and a few hours before, they learned that they lost him. It was That's what it, when it finally hit me, and I, I got a little emotional watching Uh, Kemba and Ball let the 24 seconds go out while a game was going on.
1: Hmm. What was the arena like? Was it quiet while that was happening or was there cheering? Was there chanting? What was it like?
2: It was quiet for the first 24-second runoff because I think people kind of were figuring out what was going on and then the second one it was just a standing ovation and then chants of Kobe, Kobe were, were resonating through the arena but All day long, it was very subdued and a sad atmosphere. Everybody there was just, their minds were elsewhere. Yeah. Um, Pat
1: sends us a message on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed. He said, think this quote from Kobe separates the great athletes in sports from the good ones. It's a quote where he said, I was blessed with a lot of talent, but I worked like I had none. And I was watching an interview that Kobe had done with um, uh, Alex Rodriguez and is it B- Big Cat or PFT or uh, one of the, one of the guys from Pardon My Take? H- who am I thinking about? Big Cat, Big Cat. And in it, he talked about you know they they asked him about the the reputation for not being a great teammate, and he talked about some of what Phil Jackson had said in one of his books. But then he said, "Look," he said. I'm getting older in my career and I don't feel great but we play a back-to-back you better be taped and ready to go at practice the next day. Because guess what? I am. And I've been doing this for 15 years or 18 years or 20 years, however long it is. And oh, by the way I also have already worked out for two hours and gotten shots up before practice started. And If you didn't play to that standard, then, yeah, maybe you looked at me as not a great teammate because I held you accountable. I don't remember who it was that said this yesterday because, again, a lot of the tributes are running together. But there was somebody that just pointed out that the expectation that Kobe had for everybody around him was to work as hard as he did. And the reality is there are very few people. players in the history of the game that do that. That was Michael Jordan's reputation, and that was Kobe Bryant's reputation as well. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online with you at supertalk.fm. We are back after this, hour number two, coming up.
4: What keeps the planet spinning?
1: Sports Talk Mississippi with you Monday afternoon. Glad to have you along for the start of a new week. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippy. You can text the show on the C Spire text line, 601 4395 This winter, skip the waiting room and beat cold and flu season faster with C Spire Health. Just download the app and schedule a visit to connect with a trusted UMMC clinician right from your phone. Learn more at cspirehealth.com. We uh, really spent the entire first hour talking about uh, Kobe Bryant. I'm sure it's a conversation that will come up more as we move throughout the show this afternoon. But uh, some other stuff to get to from the weekend, and uh, we will push winners and losers back for one segment. We'll get the winners and losers uh, coming up about 15 minutes or so from right now. We'll get your winners and losers from the weekend as well coming up uh, a little bit later. Well, let's talk about some games from the weekend. As Mississippi State was playing in the Big 12 SEC Challenge, they were in Oklahoma City, not Norman, but Oklahoma City to take on the Oklahoma Sooners. Ole Miss was on the road on Saturday as well. Off to an 0 6 start in SEC play. The Rebels were an underdog in Athens, Georgia. And Ole Miss got the win. Let's kind of go in order of when these games were played. Mississippi State had an earlier tip off, so we'll start with the Bulldogs. A loss on Saturday, hey, Dad. And, you know, I think the thing that probably jumps out the most is the fact that Reggie Perry was not the Reggie Perry that we've seen over the last couple of weeks.
0: No, I got into uh, early foul trouble. Um, and then got a technical foul there in the first half for uh, some unkind words to the official. We'll, we'll say mm-hmm. that. <laughs> and uh, had Do you know said, what he said? No, I don't. I, I didn't. I didn't catch what he said. I just know that there was uh, some words that weren't fit for radio use for a okay. family show like this. Yeah. Uh, but that said, obviously didn't get much contribution. Didn't have any points in the first half. In uh, the second half, you know, state was down. I think as many in the first half as fifteen. They cut it to eight at the uh, the break. And then they got into a good rhythm in the second half because Perry was a little bit bigger part of the offense, um, started making some shots, actually grabbed a one-point lead but could not hold it. Um, and then uh, for the second time this year, and it's really sort of interesting to me that this season is sort of swung on two buzzer beaters, uh, one at one that State gave up and then one that State couldn't hit. You know, if State gets both of those games. We're talking about this team in a lot different Light, yeah. I think it was a big missed opportunity for MSU that they jumped to 48 in the net rankings with a loss. So it tells you that had they gotten the win, they might have really you know put themselves in a much better position. But as it is now, uh, you know every game is going to be crucial for Mississippi State. They're still in search of that quadrant one win on the resume. They have another opportunity to get one uh, tomorrow at Florida, but they only have a few opportunities left. They really, I think, need one for their resume.
1: In terms of starters, only two players in double digits. Uh, Robert Woodard the second, had 15 points. D.J. Stewart had 12 points in the ballgame. Tyson Carter, 14 points again off the bench and was pretty efficient. 5 of 8 shooting, 2 of 4 from behind the arc. Made both of his free throws. Had a couple of turnovers in the game, but uh, also had a couple of steals. Pulled down three rebounds. So a pretty good game all the way around for Tyson Carter. Mississippi State, though, 5 of 15 from behind the arc. Uh, just 38% from the field. And I think you make a good point. I mean, this is an Oklahoma team that's okay. Um, They're 13-6 and on the year, maybe even good, uh, but they're not a great Oklahoma team. They were led by Brady Manick with 18 points. Uh, He was one of only two players for Oklahoma that was in double figures for the game. Uh, Numbers pretty comparable, to be perfectly honest, when you look at shooting percentages and... You know how it all played out. I think the disappointing thing, or, or at least one of the disappointing things, Hey Dad, is there was so much momentum for Mississippi State going into this ball game. They had the uh, the three wins in a row. Uh, they blew out Missouri at home, and really going back to the LSU game where they lose on a buzzer beater, and it's a disappointing loss. But they had blown out Missouri, blown out Georgia. Got an, an impressive seven-point win against Arkansas. And it was all, almost like there was an opportunity to validate all of those things, but then not able to close it out. I didn't love the last possession of the game. thought they no. uh, allowed a little bit too much time to go off. Didn't attack the rim when there was an opportunity to maybe do that, to try and draw a foul, get to the free-throw line. Settled for a contested jump shot. It was a high-arcing shot. Took a long time to get to the rim. It was a high rebound. And then the putback. Which didn't go in wouldn't have mattered anyway because time had expired. Mississippi State though didn't have a timeout left at the end, couldn't draw up a play. You still though would love to see somebody step up and understand the situation and understand maybe what the highest percentage opportunity is to
0: potentially get yourself into a spot to win. Especially the guy who had the ball in his hands, Robert Woodard, who we both know has the athleticism and the ability to get to the rim. I uh, would have probably liked. I-, I didn't have a huge issue with the shot because. Again, with Woodard, he's been such a consistent shooter this year, and that mid-range jumper is a pretty high-percentage shot for him. But you're right, getting to the rim but it was too late defend, in the right?
1: clock. It was late in the clock, and it was off yeah. balance,
0: and it was contested. Yeah, yeah. And so just just the game management there at the end definitely left a lot to be desired. Uh, and as it, like you said, it, it cost him. I don't know if you could say it cost him the win. I think getting off to such a slow start and getting Reggie Perry in that kind of foul trouble early is what really ultimately cost him issue the win. But they had that opportunity, and and they let it get away from them. For what it's
1: worth, Joe Lunardi on the 27th of January has Mississippi State as the fourth of the first four out. So you've got last four buys, the last four in, which are the teams that would play in those elimination games in Dayton, and then the first four out. The first four out currently are Rhode Island, Alabama, Virginia Tech, and then Mississippi State. So the Bulldogs certainly in a spot where they can play themselves
0: into the tournament field, but there's not a ton of margin for error either. There's no margin for error, almost, it feels like. It feels like the games that State's favored the rest of the way they're going to need to get, and you would like to see them steal one of these remaining Quadrant One wins at Florida, at Kentucky, at Arkansas. Those are all tough places to play, playing good teams. Uh, But if they could find a way to win one of those games and then just handle their business the rest of the way, They'll they'll be in on selection Sunday, but if they slip up anywhere, especially one of those quadrant three games they have left, you know they they play Ole Miss at home. Uh, they get, they have a A and M at home. or right, I'm sorry, they're A and M on the road. They have South Carolina and Vanderbilt at home. A slip yeah. up in any one of those games, it, it's probably going to pop the bubble.
1: South Carolina is the one out of that group that really scares you. I mean, obviously Ole Miss rivalry game. We'll see if Ole Miss is able to kind of trend in the right direction down the stretch. Two of those games coming up. Uh, still yeah. for Mississippi State. But South Carolina is the one that that's a gritty team. They play pretty good defense. They're making some shots. They're healthier than they have been. That's the one that you, you feel like you don't want to let that one bite you. For what it's worth, Joe Lenardi currently has five SEC teams in the field of 68. Uh, Rippy Ole Miss is not one of those teams, but Ole Miss basketball finally with something to feel good about. After a win on the road against Georgia, seventy to sixty. They were a six, six and a half point underdog in that ball game, outscored Georgia by six in the first half, by four in the second half, and had three different players score in double figures. Tyree led the way with twenty. Hadim C, though, with sixteen points, and then fourteen from KJ Buffin.
3: Yeah, which was really the I guess formula for them to win and the what has been lacking in the last couple of weeks among a myriad of other t- things depending on the game but yeah C played pretty well he got solid contributions from Buff in 28 minutes he had a little bit of foul trouble in the first half and looked like they found something with a little bit of a smaller lineup where they played Williams, Schuler, and Tyree together so I think Georgia stinks but this was a good win for them and I imagine it had to feel pretty good given you know they hadn't won a game in the since You know December, yeah, and so I imagine just getting off the hook. They did play well in for long stretches of that game, so I imagine just giving that probably makes them feel pretty good going forward.
1: Going into that game, Ole Miss was nine and nine and zero and five in SEC play. They get the win, so they're back over five hundred. Kind of get off the schneid in conference play now. One and five with Auburn coming to the Pavilion tomorrow night. A little interesting to see this Ole Miss team who has been willing to take. You know, it's sometimes bad and contested threes. Only 9 three-point attempts in the game and they make 5 of them. Shooting was better. Rebels shot 52% from the field, 56% from behind the arc and hit 13 of 17 free throws.
3: And 38 points in the paint. They made it a, you know, they made a decision to get to the rim and get better baskets and that's exactly what they did. And also 18 offensive rebounds will help.
1: I have some trouble understanding
3: what's going on with Georgia. Because that's a pretty talented team. Excuse me, Ole Miss allowed 18 offensive rebounds. I had that backwards. Okay.
1: And still was able to win. Yes. Anthony Edwards is a lottery pick, but he's not playing at a real consistent level. Uh, Xavier Wheeler, their point guard, is explosive, but he's undersized. Rayshon Hammonds, there's no way that that guy in 30 minutes should only give you four points. Just doesn't make sense. There are five... ESPN top 100 players on that Georgia roster. I don't understand how they're one and five in league play.
3: Makes screen throwing his inherited players last year under the bus seem a little more ironic. <laughs> it does. You mean they do? They're, they're right. Have top 100 players and they're still not any good. Maybe it wasn't the old guys' problems.
1: Sports Talk Mississippi: Winners and losers from the weekend. What did you see that you like? What did you see that you didn't like? We will get to that next. It's a Monday tradition on Sports Talk Mississippi, Winners and Losers. We do it every Monday afternoon in the 4 o'clock hour. What did you like for the weekend? What did you not like? Here are our winners and losers.
4: We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Winner never win. a never win.
1: Winners and losers from the weekend. We'll start on the fun side. On the positive
3: side, Rippy, give me a winner. Mine kind of tie in together, so I guess I'll start L.A. Times. They did a pretty good job covering everything yesterday. Bill Plasky column, Dylan Hernandez column, news stories are pretty good. They unlocked all of their Kobe Bryant-related content, I thought they did a good job, which could not be said elsewhere. Who
1: gets downgraded on that?
3: The guy of, I guess for starters, when ESPN cut to the special ABC report, and the guy who just kind of casually uh, floated it out there that uh, – That all four of his kids might be on board? Ooh. Yeah. That was from ABC News? That is correct. Yikes. Whatever correspondent they had headed to the scene, they had him on the phone. He just kind of floated that out there, which seemed wildly irresponsible. Yeah. I mean, I didn't necessarily have as big of a problem with other people as Deadspin initially reporting it, but if you're going to do that, you probably need to get it wholly accurate, which they did not totally initially, so... TMZ's got to get some credit, too, don't they? What did I say? Yeah, he you said, said deadspin. Excuse me, TMZ. I, I didn't mean deadspin. I don't know where I got that from.
2: I they guess. do. They they missed the. They, they got the detail wrong about him being survived by his wife and his four daughters. But I saw a lot of misdirected anger at TMZ for breaking the news before uh, the sheriff could inform the families. Even the sheriff himself ripped TMZ apart in his press conference. But the problem is not... TMZ. If you are a news reporting entity based in California and you get the news that one of the greatest legends in sports uh, was unexpectedly killed in an accident, you report that news. The problem is, and the anger should be directed at whoever leaked it to TMZ, that's your jerk. That's the person who should have kept their mouth shut until the family was informed. But you cannot, in a city like Los Angeles, expect a news entity To hide that news when they get it, you you can't do it. It's the leaker that's the problem. Now, TMZ should have made sure they got every detail right or not say the detail about all four of his daughters surviving him, but it's the leaker that's the jerk in that situation, not the news outlet that reported the news and broke the news.
0: Hey, Dad, give me a winner. Uh, Baylor basketball, you know, number one team in the nation, was an underdog to Florida uh, on Saturday. And, was that I mean, a little bit this, of a head scratcher for you? Huge head scratcher because Florida hasn't been playing that well, uh, and then they just went down there and and you know pretty much dominated the game, won by double digits. weren't ever were never in any real trouble down there. Uh, I thought it was odd that Baylor went to number one in a week where Gonzaga didn't lose, uh, but they 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 are a good good basketball team, and you know how how deep a run can they make? I don't know. It's always tough for me to wrap my head around in a team like Baylor making a deep run when I my my head just wants to say Duke, Kansas, Gonzaga sometimes. But they're very, very good, and uh, they're going to be trouble in March.
1: You know, I mentioned earlier um, Joe Lenardi's bracketology. Currently, his four number 1 seeds, Baylor, Kansas, Gonzaga, San Diego State. And his next, in terms of next, Seton Hall. Yeah. A little bit different kind of year in college basketball.
2: It is. Forky, what about a winner? Um, Zion's career is getting off to the start that it could not be better, possibly. Uh, He's averaging 19-8 and on 66% from the field and only playing 24 minutes a game. Uh, He is everything that you hoped he would as long as he stays healthy. Um, Pretty good for a fat guy.
1: Not bad. Although even you can admit that probably would be better off playing at about 270 than 295.
2: Yeah, but what, what blows my mind is people are like surprised that he's not in game shape yet. He spent four months not able to walk as he was rehabbing from knee surgery. I mean, what do you think? This guy's going to be able to roll out here and play 38 minutes a night? Come on. Uh, the start's been really good. He's explosive. He's athletic. Um, it, you put a guard on him uh, to try to combat his quickness, and he's too strong. You put a big on him to try to combat his size, and he's too quick. I mean, he's tough to defend. um Defense still needs some work. He looks lost on that end. However, 19-8 and on 24-ish minutes a night, that'll play.
1: Not bad. Um, Benito Jones apparently made himself some money at the uh, Senior Bowl. In fact, two defensive linemen for Ole Miss, pretty good reviews. I have no idea what the outcome of the actual Senior Bowl game was. Don't know don't care. That's not what really the Senior Bowl is about. It's about the five days leading up to that game where every NFL team has got evaluators there, multiple evaluators there, and apparently the job that Benito Jones and Josiah Cotney did in workouts uh, leading up to the Senior Bowl and getting to visit with teams and do some interviews and have people get to know them and then perform at a high level in those situations – Uh, Good for both of those guys. Hard workers that have been good players and looks like they are on their way to uh, maybe better contracts than initially was uh, expected when the NFL team rolls around. I'm not knocking anybody else. I just read about those two guys uh, in specific. So uh, pretty cool stuff there for those guys. Any other winners that we need to get out there
0: before we transition to losers? Uh, I would give Mississippi State women's basketball a winner. On the on this weekend, especially you know, after why, the, the why is they, that, hey, Dad? Well, I, mean, I, I would. You can even go back to Thursday and the way they played in that fourth quarter against Vanderbilt. The way they bounced back after losing that South Carolina game, they got two good wins. They thoroughly dominated Ole Miss. And those two programs right now, they're they're not really even in the same. They're just they're just not the same. There's a huge gulf between them. And I'm Ole Miss. Yeah, that, I know that's going
1: not to. an inflammatory statement that you just made.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not trolling when I say that. um Ole Miss, you know, obviously they're they're recruiting better and that they're going to turn that around. I, I like Coach Yeo. I think she's a good coach, and but it's just a, a wide gulf right now. And State, you know, was just they 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 played a bad team and they completely and totally manhandled them, which is what they needed to do. They didn't drop in the polls as a result of their loss. They're so still ninth in the nation. Good stuff.
1: There you go. Any other winners?
0: You're not going Mark Leishman
3: for winning at Tory Pines in the fog. No, but I do have a golf related golf related one. Okay. No, it's not a winner.
1: Okay. How about some losers?
3: Bryson DeChambeau got put on the clock on ten, and then shot uh, like six over on the back nine and bogeyed his last four holes. But he's not a habitual offender, apparently. You,
1: you, you think that that got in his head?
3: I don't know. Only he knows what's it, inside his head, and he's the smartest person inside of his head too. Other than Kepka, Kepka's in there pretty frequently. Kepka's
1: way in his head. But I don't think it goes in two directions. I don't think Bryson DeChambeau is in Brooks Kepka's head. Do you? No. Who won that tournament? This was in Dubai, right? It was.
0: Yeah. Uh, hey, Dad, you got a loser? I do. Uh, his name is Morris Berger. He is the Grand Valley State Offensive Coordinator. And he was asked, being a, a in the student newspaper, if he could have dinner with three historical figures. Who would they be? And this is a quote. This is probably not going to get a good review, but I'm going to say Adolf Hitler. It was very sad, and he had bad Mm. motives. But the way he was able to lead was second to none. How he rallied a group and a following, I want to know how he did that. Bad intentions, of course, but you can't deny he wasn't a great leader. I don't know what we have to do to get people to stop making positive comparisons to Adolf Hitler, but we need to do that. I don't know if it's shock therapy or lobotomies I don't know where we need to go with that, but here's the thought. If you're going to make a positive comparison and you think, I'm going to compare this to Adolf Hitler, just don't do it, because you're going to lose your job, which this guy is on his way to doing right now. He's already been suspended and will probably be fired shortly after.
1: Were Jim Jones and David Koresh the other two historical leaders who wanted to die with? JFK and
0: Christopher Columbus were his other two. You you got the reference, though, right? Oh, I got him. yeah. Yeah. Gosh. What, what 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 goes through a man's brain? What? what? I, I can't imagine. If, it was obviously if, very sad. If you sad, are someone think, who has studied
1: on. history and like has studied war strategy, mm-hmm. I mean is there like a historical context where you go I think it's the you, m- you just can't even do it, can you?
3: No, I think it's the move where history guy wants you to know how much history he knows, so he talks yeah. about Adolf, and that's Le- what this guy Adolf is. Hitler's leadership tactics. So you know, like, <laughs> if you're gonna first take and zag Hitler's probably not the best subject to go on that. And
0: that's what this guy is. the The question was: so you graduated
3: from Drury with a degree in history.
0: You're a history guy. If you could have dinner with three historical figures, living or dead, who would they be?
3: Yeah, to being like. Hitler, big fan of his flanks, like, probably is not the best way to zag when you're being interviewed at a new job.
0: Yeah. Ugh.
3: I mean, isn't the safest way to go there, like,
1: General Eisenhower, Winston Churchill, and Jesus? You'd think Jesus should be on everybody's list. Yes. 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 Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll get uh, Borky's loser when we come back, and we'll get yours as well. You can text them to us. Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Winners and losers from the weekend. Let's go to the Ceasefire text line for your winners and losers from the weekend, 601-879-4395. Not too late if you want to jump in with something that you liked or didn't like. At C Spire experience healthcare on call with the C Spire Health app. Skip the waiting room and get treated by a UMMC clinician right from your phone from anywhere in Mississippi. Plus for a limited time visits are just $29 for CSpire customers. Learn more at cspirehealth.com. Uh let's see. Let's start with Lucas in Union. Multiple winners and losers from Lucas. His winner's first Vic Schaefer's jacket. Hey, Dad. He says it didn't come off one time yesterday against Ole Miss.
0: You can do that when you run out to a 24-point lead in the first quarter. You can, you can Is it 30-6 at sp- the end of the first? 30 to 30-6, yeah. Mm. How's the crowd? Packed house? Not packed, but there were
1: 9,000-plus in there. Are they not still doing the, like, pack to the rafters thing for
0: every game? I mean, it was, it was a good crowd, but it wasn't completely
1: packed. Yeah, I mean, obviously 9,000 is a yeah really big crowd for a women's game. But yeah. anyway. Um, uh, Lucas also says he is a winner for getting to go to Dallas in August to see Matchbox 20 and the Wallflowers.
3: Sounds Rippy, like a good 90s metric? night. I'd say, man. Rippy's never heard
0: of 1998, Brian, events. have been all over that. I
3: know Matchbox 20. What was the second one? Wallflowers. Don't know them.
0: It's uh, Bob Dylan's Sons band. Cool. Is that playing yeah. solitaire till dawn with a deck of
1: fifty-one, smoking cigarettes and watching Captain Kangaroo? Isn't that a Wallflower song?
0: I, I, don't, I don't. I don't think their song. They had that song "One Headlight." Okay.
1: Um. Also. <laughs> okay. Also, what song am I talking about, Borg? You know what's I'm you know, Captain Kangaroo? Man, I don't Google know. Google. Smoking cigarettes and watching Captain Kangaroo. Don't tell me there's nothing to That's do. That's
0: Flowers on the Wall by the Statler Brothers. <laughs> 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 you couldn't have been more wrong.
1: Well, I, I mean, he's kind of right. I was kind of right at the same time, the though. Same, wasn't I? Same place somehow. Jesus, <laughs> please. Wall flowers versus flowers on the wall. <laughs>
4: <laughs> last night I
1: dressed uh, in tails pretending I was on the town Sorry nice. um, Lucas also went with Edge returning <laughs> to in-ring action last night for the Royal Rumble
0: Very cool got yeah, Been out for, the exact same thing Been out for a decade and then finally uh, Where was Royal helped? Rumble? It was, it, was at the, it was in Houston at Minute Maid Park huh. uh, losers, I was making TV media. to make a run in and it never did I don't know what happened.
1: TV media, while rushing to be the first to get the Kobe Bryant story out, had all the facts wrong, except for Kobe being in the wreck and the fact that it was a helicopter crash. So, yeah, I think uh, a lot of us can uh, get on board with uh, with that. Uh, somebody went with, uh, really, Richard? Totally different eras and genres. Yeah, but you laughed, didn't you? Come on. There we go. Statler Brothers. Uh, we've had both sides of this equation. Somebody sent us a message a second ago said Mississippi State women's basketball winners. That was uh, Huey, I believe. Huey, who says he's on the road. Uh, opposite side of this, somebody says um, Ole Miss women's basketball team. Jeez, enough said. That, w- that was not my editorial comment. That was part of the text. Uh, Stan, loser. Pro Bowl, completely horrible. Tackling or the lack of. Now, let's marry that with a text that came in uh, just a few minutes ago that said... Anybody complaining about a lack of effort or tackling in the Pro Bowl is a loser. <laughs> That's kind of an it-is-what-it-is
3: thing. They should just turn it into something else. The game itself is dumb. It's a hard watch. Why don't you just, go, like, seven on seven and let, like, the linemen, like... Hell, I don't know, throw dodgeballs at people while it's going Well, That's they did that. Creative. On Saturday,
1: they had a dodgeball competition. Russell Wilson was on one team. There were a bunch of guys on the other team.
3: And okay, how about combine the two?
2: Just any all-star game that features Kirk Cousins is not an all-star game. Winner, Evan Weaver. <laughs> Dang, Torky. Jeez.
1: Outstanding Cal linebacker at the Senior Bowl. Met him at FanFest on Friday after finding out I was a diehard Reb, he asked me if I was excited about Kiffin. I told him, very excited. He said Ole Miss fans should be. Classy young man walked. And Evan Weaver just made another tackle at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium.
3: What would he have? 20? 21? Something like that. I, that. That was the kid that didn't appreciate like He said Corral had a lot to say or something. It yeah. Yeah.
1: I had somebody tell me after the game, I really wasn't that impressed with him. He had 22 tackles. What do you mean you weren't impressed with him? All right, he was just in the right place at the right time. <laughs> That's what <laughs> tackling is. Hello, McFly.
0: <laughs> now, I want to meet somebody who makes tackles when they're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Because sign that guy up. Keith and, yeah, and Jay way says across he, the field, but I still, I still tackled him.
1: Says he totally agrees with the cousin's comment. Will and you poor, I sat down yesterday to watch the Pro Bowl, but as meaningless as it was before yesterday's news, it was impossible to care about after 2.30. There we go. Um. Okay. So that's good enough. Those are your winners and losers from the weekend. Let's just go to a question that came on the text line. Hey, Dad. Yes? Uh, what's the word on the Stanford quarterback? And that's not like, is he healthy? Who's David Shaw going to start? I think the question is... Is KJ Costello going to take snaps for the Mississippi State football Bulldogs next year? I think that's what the question is about.
0: Yeah, visited this week. Everything I've heard was that it was a very positive visit. Uh, yep. But I think State would have liked to have gotten a, a commitment already, uh, and obviously they have not. So uh, as who else plays is out, in the game? If 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 Costello is not committed by this weekend, State's supposed to be bringing in Chase Br- Chase Bryce uh, from Clemson as a grad transfer possibility. Okay. So. We'll see what happens between now and then but if if I would imagine that if Costello is committed by Friday, then Chase Bryce will not get on that plane. but if he does if he's not, then we'll see him on campus uh, this weekend.
1: who else is in the mix for KJ Costello? Uh,
0: I, off the top of my head, I don't know. I know that LSU has been mentioned i I believe uh, oh, somebody in Texas was mentioned and it wasn't Texas though obviously but it, there's been some there's been some some decent power five. Uh, options for him, from what I can tell. Cue up the uh,
1: doesn't really matter who they bring in to play quarterback. Regardless, they'll throw for 5,000 yards. That take is yeah, up. Yeah,
0: but it. you'd rather have a guy throw for 5,000 yards with maybe 30 and 10 as opposed to you know 25 and 20. So. That's a good point. Uh, Richard has met his
1: quota of 70s and 80s references.
0: That's like a 50s reference, man. <laughs> you, you were... Your parents may not have been dating when that song was a hit. Wait, when did that song come out? No, once again, making me look it up. Flowers on the wall.
1: It, that song. Okay, came so out. the original was Nineteen
0: Sixty Six.
1: Yes, okay, that's the original that the Statler brothers did. But that song was out there just a few years ago. Apparently that was in the year two thousand with Eric Heatherly, which I guess a few years a ago is now two decades ago. That's true. Jeez, I'm getting old. Might as well own it,
2: right? Yeah. Well you're about to be more 40, quick. right?
1: Shut up, Borky.
0: <laughs> That's it. One more quick winner. I agree with this decision. The NBA has announced they will postpone tomorrow night's uh, Lakers Clippers game. Yes, guess I'm really? to give uh everybody an extra day to mourn. Did you see?
1: I, I saw earlier that tickets for that game were already five times what they were yesterday on StubHub, and StubHub had announced that they were going to donate all the proceeds from the sales of tickets yeah, uh, for that particular sort of game. Now, yeah, to the uh, Kobe and Vanessa Brown Family Foundation. Sorry, Vanessa Bryant.
0: So I made a really good point. They're like, you know, Kobe didn't just play for the Lakers; he was an employee. So, like, people knew him, secretaries and and administrative assistants and the guys in the mailroom, they knew Kobe Bryant. So that whole organization is mourning today. The Lakers have not made any kind of official statement yet.
3: I don't necessarily – I saw people on their, like, Twitter account, like, like chastising them for that, and it's like actually contrary they, they, to popular belief, you're allowed they to on grieve the plane when without. The news
2: broke too, yeah, yeah. They were. And,
3: but to Haydad's point, like contrary to popular belief, you are allowed to grieve without posting on the internet about how much you're grieving. There and was a, so, but to your point, Haydad, it affects so many people. It's not just as simple as like. I mean, like it affects everyone in the organization from the top down. Right. I can't imagine how many people in there he knew. It's probably pretty rough. And then I read in the L.A. Times news story, to where if you actually read that. Genie bus. a lot of the high-ranking Lakers officials spent time with Bryant's family yesterday instead of, you know, I don't know, sitting on Twitter. Like,
0: Yeah. There was a, a fake tweet that went around that looked like the Lakers' official account. A couple of people I follow retweeted it. They got duped. And it said, Kobe Bryant had died at, from causes of a helicopter accident. And I, I remember seeing that and thinking, wow, that is poorly worded for the official tweet from the Lakers. And then I realized it wasn't the Lakers. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I actually don't have a problem at all with the official no, Twitter grief, account of the man. Lakers not having made a
3: statement. No, take your time. Yeah. Absolutely, uh,
1: Jason says, Winners, everyone who shed tears over the news yesterday. Losers, those that didn't, particularly those that tied politics. That one time there was a negative story about him or used news of an Army helicopter crashing five years ago to justify being heartless losers. Off the top rope, Jason. Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's talk some college baseball next Monday afternoon, sports talk, Mississippi. You realize that we are playing college baseball two weeks from Friday.
2: Lord help me get away. Hey, uh, Rippy, and we you got signing the long day range next fort? week, man. Like it's coming. A lot of good stuff.
1: Can you check the long-range forecast, Rippy. No need. Not when you know it's going to be seventy and sunny, right? It's a good point. It's a great point. Baseball America has released their preseason All-American teams. Borky, I love what you put here. And believe it or not, it looks like the SEC is going to be really good. I know that's as shocking to you as it is me. First team All-America. Two infielders, two outfielders, and four starting pitchers from the Southeastern Conference. Austin Martin at third base. Vanderbilt, Casey Martin at shortstop, Arkansas, Daniel Cabrera, outfielder, LSU, Heston Kerstad, outfielder, Arkansas. Starting pitchers, Garrett Crochet from Tennessee, JT Ginn from Mississippi State, Emerson Hancock from Asa, uh, from Georgia, and Asa Lacey from Texas A&M. All right, let me press pause here just for a second. This is not intended to inflame or question or anything. Hey, Dad, has JT Ginn shown us enough to be preseason first-team All-American as a starting pitcher?
0: I'll, I'll put it in this context. I think he's very talented, and I think that, yeah, he's got that ability, but I would have Kumar Rocker over him, who's second-team.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree and that's not a knock on JT again. I mean there's just a ton of talent. Yeah, I mean I just there's four I just didn't right see there, enough
0: yeah. a year ago to well, say that before, that is before one before the of, arm trouble, he was dominant, totally dominant. And I talked to him on uh on Saturday we had baseball media day, that interview is yeah. available at supertalk.fm along with everybody else I talked to and uh he says he's he's 100% feels great, ready to go start of the season.
1: Borky, I think so,
0: tomorrow we should play Hey Dad's interview with JT again. It's only like two
1: minutes, man. That'll be just fine. Okay, then. You talk to a preseason All-American first-team starting pitcher in our state. We should play that on the radio, friend. Sounds good. Because not everybody listens to stuff on their devices. It's true. Although we certainly hope you will. All right, so Garrett Crochet, J.T. Ginn, Emerson Hancock, Asa Lacey. Second team. All-American, second base Justin Foskew, Mississippi State. Outfield, Alaric Soler from Tennessee. He can fly. I am not familiar with this name, and so forgive me if I butcher it. Starting pitcher for South Carolina, Carmen Lodzinski. That was really he good,
2: p- Mister Broadcaster.
1: Did he pitch yesterday? Or la- yesterday, he may have or may not have. Did he pitch last year for South Carolina? I don't remember. I just feel like I would remember a name where the last name is M L O D Z I N S K I. Carmen Wadzinski.
2: He had 3 appearances in 2019, uh, 10 innings pitched, gave up 13 hits, 7 earned runs, walked 11 batters in what? 10 innings. Wow.
0: Okay. His his numbers do not make sense. Like upon further review, JT
1: Ginn should be not first team all-American, but like zero zero
2: team all-American. <laughs> <laughs> and in 2018, he was uh 3 and 6 on 19 appearances, what? uh 45 innings pitched, 47 hits and 21 walks.
0: This Look is at the, the time. pitchers.
2: Well, hold other, on, hold on no, no. On, that,
1: on that group and then okay. s- mention this guy. But but here's the thing, hey dad. Here, here's what you got to remember. you got a bunch of college baseball entities that are out there that cover the game. As a college baseball fan, to keep from driving yourself bonkers, you need to know the angle at which all of these different entities are coming. D1 Baseball's primary objective is to cover college baseball. Baseball America's primary objective is to cover baseball as guys trend toward becoming pros. They are heavily based on scouting. So my guess is, I, I I may be completely wrong. You guys are looking at his numbers. Tell me if I'm wrong. My guess is Mladzinski is a left-hander that throws it in the low 90s and projects as a first-rounder. Well, he's a right hes so that theory. Okay.
2: He's 6'2", 230, though, big kid.
1: Well, okay. Collegiate yeah, baseball is one guy who's been doing it forever, and he tends to lean in the direction in his preseason rankings of teams that give him significant time and access during the offseason.
0: He wasn't even a big prospect coming out of high school. Top 500 prospect. Honorable mention All-American from Perfect Game. Weird. That's oh. that's a that's an odd pick.
1: Sounds like we're going to soon have to talk to some of our buddies at Baseball America and find out what the deal is.
0: Get Kumar Rocker,
1: second-team All-American starting pitcher. Tyler Brown, right-hander from Vanderbilt, second-team All-American Third team, Casey Opitz, the catcher from Arkansas. Noah Campbell, the second baseman at South Carolina. Zach Deloach at Texas A&M. Tanner Burns at Auburn. And Cole Wilcox at Georgia. Sports Talk Mississippi. College Football Fix is next. I'm breaking my own rules right here, right now, because there's nobody here to stop me. Sports Talk Mississippi with you Monday afternoon.
2: Well, I technically could. I do, you know... Have your microphone on and off switch right here.
3: I was told that doesn't work. You're welcome to give it a shot, Morky. (laughs) Here we go.
2: See ya. I'm just kidding. Welcome to give it a shot. (laughs)
3: Sports Talk Mississippi with you.
1: C Spire text line is open. 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Is there anybody here that objects to talking just a little bit more college baseball before we get to the college football fix? No, sir.
0: Do Do it.
1: I'm glad I heard no dissension because had I, I would have just ignored you and moved on anyway. First of all,
2: <laughs> fair enough. Uh,
1: Carmen Mlodzinski, as I so enthusiastically pronounced it, not ha- not right. Oh, Majinski. Um, Carmen. It, it is spelled Mlod because that's kind of a hard sound to make. M L M L O D. Z i n s k i Majinski.
2: Is that like a Coach K thing where they just pronounce their name a different way to make it easier on everybody?
1: Because Krasuski doesn't really make as much sense as Shashevsky. Yeah. yeah, I, I don't know. So here's the story on this guy, who was slated as a preseason second team All American, according to Baseball America who, frankly, I had never heard of, and this is not a patting myself on the back. I I follow college baseball pretty closely. I think all of us do around here. So, apparently Mr. Majinski had quite the summer on Cape Cod.
3: Rippy, the point you made during the break was? I don't know if I've ever talked to anyone that said that and been like, you know, actually his summer on the Cape sucked. Who hasn't had a big summer on the Cape?
0: Eddie Furness. Did he not? Oh, Eddie Furness was a notorious, terrible hitter for with a wooden bat. Mm-hmm. That's why he never made it to the majors. He, he couldn't hit with a wooden bat for whatever reason. It, just, it, just, it did not translate for him.
1: There is one player that I know of. I say that I know of. I'm sure there are others. Um, Ole Miss was expecting big things from Bobby Kelty. I don't know if you remember that name or not. He had played one season at Ole Miss. He made it to the bigs. I think as a sophomore, went to the Cape, hit like 420 that summer, got drafted, <laughs> never came back to school, or, or or maybe he signed as a free agent. I don't know what the deal was. He never came back to school and got to the bigs. I think it was the Oakland A's first, and I don't know how long it lasted. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, maybe it happens. So, anyway, Majinski this summer in the Cape, in 29 and a third innings for Falmouth. Gave up 15 hits and four walks while striking out 40 batters. So those are good numbers. He was high on draft boards coming out of high school, but told all the major league teams, don't draft me. I'm not ready to be a professional player. I'm going to South Carolina. Did not adjust terribly well to college baseball as a freshman Borky gave you his numbers a few minutes ago people really were excited about him going into his sophomore season and early in the year he stepped funny and broke his foot and was out for the year right hander fastball in the mid 90's hard slider that's in the mid to upper 80's, throws a cutter and a good change up in the low 80's so maybe we will all know Carmen Majinski's name before the season is over at South Carolina, you know who I bet saw him play? Hey, Dad. Who? Hey. The bus driver. Everett.
0: Everett makes a trip to the Cape every summer. Huh? I bet my man. If I see him, I'll, I'll throw I'll throw it out there and see what he says. Well, here's
1: a chance he's listening, and if he is, he'll text me and he'll tell he'll give All us right, a scouting okay.
0: report on uh, Carmen
1: Majenski. We'll see. Um. This college baseball season, this sounds hyperbolic because the SEC is really good every year. But are we looking – is it possible that there is a different level of good in the Southeastern Conference this year than even we've been used to seeing?
2: Is it Vanderbilt the that, that you're thinking – because everything that I've read and heard and listened to a podcast even – they all talk about the the front end starting arms in the SEC may be the best it's ever been.
0: You got four first team All Americans and ten, two more second teamers. Okay, you can't disagree. There might
1: be there might be five or six, maybe seven or eight if you don't just talk about this particular draft year. Like if you say just period. But I'm going to say six to seven first round
0: arms in the SEC on Friday nights this year. Hancock might be the number one pick in the next draft, and then the one after that, Rocker will probably be the number one pick.
1: Well Rocker will be a junior next year.
0: Is he? He's a freshman last year, wasn't
1: he? Hey, this past year he was a freshman. He's a sophomore this year.
3: I think he's right, a so birthday kid.
1: So
3: maybe, you think he's draft he's eligible this year? I'm about to see.
1: Emerson Hancock's draft eligible this year, right? Right.
3: Rocker is not. He turned 20 in November. Okay.
1: So so just kind of thinking through, well, okay, let's do it this way. So Vanderbilt has got a first team, or they've got two second-team All-Americans on their pitching staff. Kumar Rocker is a starter. Tyler Brown is a reliever. Plus they've got a first team All American at third base. That roster is loaded. Everybody that's put out a preseason prediction has Vanderbilt as either number one or number two. Arkansas has probably the best combination of position players. Like if you wanted to just pull two players off of one team, regardless of position, everyday players, they got nobody can pull a better two going into the year than Arkansas can with Casey Martin and Heston Kerstep. LSU was down a little bit last year the expectation is they bounce back I don't know if they bounce back as high and as quickly as everybody else wants to That believes they are Auburn is top 20 in everybody's poll Georgia is top 10 in everybody's poll and they have got dudes on the mound Emerson Hancock and Cole Wilcox
0: is anybody more solid up the middle than Mississippi State with Foskey, Westberg, and Rowdy Jordan now in center?
1: I'm trying to think through. Hey, Dad, I'm, that's I'm not pretty good. That, that's not a pause because I
0: don't agree with you. It's I'm just trying to think through. And Westberg, you talk about we talk about this kid in the summer. Westberg was another guy they said had a monster summer out there that he he worked he he found some sort of tweak in his swing and hmm. when he when he discovered it he's he just started mashing the ball they're they're expecting big big things from him this year
1: Rodney Jordan's got pretty big shoes to fill he' the biggest yeah but he's got um, the personality for it I think Tennessee seems to be improving a little bit each year mm-hmm They were an NCAA tournament team last year. I don't know much about South Carolina, but it feels like South Carolina's due to be good again because they haven't been in a while. Yeah. It was back-to-back national championships, and then Ray Tanner decides to be an athletics director instead of a baseball coach. And In fairness to him, maybe it's hard to replace the GOAT at a particular school, but he's not done a great job replacing himself. Yeah. Um Texas A&M, I don't know if they can hit or not. I know they got a good hitting coach though. Yeah. Chad Kaye left Southern Miss to go be the hitting coach at Texas A&M. It was a job that for a while you thought Mike Clement, the old Miss hitting coach and third base coach was going to get. He was in the running for that job, ultimately decided decided to stay put. Florida you have to believe, is going to be better. I
0: they think just they're got, underrated. Yeah. They had so many young players last year. Those guys are all a year better. And got crushed by the draft two years in a row. Yeah.
1: And, and they got crushed in the way that you don't want to get crushed. They got crushed with juniors leaving they're and with incoming guys. So yeah, it was yeah. on both sides, and they were just left with a bunch of guys that they weren't ready to play. Yeah, Sully does a pretty good job getting his guys to bounce back. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned Ole Miss yet.
0: A team that can win thirty games and host because their RPI
1: is going to be so high. The 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 schedule is absolutely ridiculous. You don't know what the outfield necessarily is going to look like. Got a pretty good idea of what the infield is going to look like. How certain are you about the rotation, Riffy?
3: Pretty good idea, but I guess the third slot. Nikhazy, Hoagland, and then? Probably Derek Diamond. Okay.
1: So there's a lot of upside there, but some of it's unproven. How much depth will there be in the bullpen? Got to replace a lot offensively. A lot of questions, but a lot of talent as well. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll get to the college football fix next. I'm not sure what's wrong. Something's broke. Broken. Something is broken with this long-term forecast. I don't know if it's a computer glitch or what, but the AccuWeather long-term forecast for Thursday, February 13th, shows a high of 53, a low of 33, and a chance for snow. And then uh, Friday, February 14th, shows high of 52, low of 32. That, that that can't be right.
3: Guess we now know why 5 grew that beard. Do what? Yeah, he's got a beard. Saw it Friday.
1: Mike Bianco has a beard? Yeah,
3: pretty luscious. You think you will have it opening day? I don't know. I did not ask.
0: Who, who's Who has, has a better beard, me
3: or Mike Bianco? I'm, I'm putting you on the spot. On the off chance he's listening, Mike. <laughs> oh,
4: come on. I'm listening.
3: Just
0: curious.
1: It's close. Um, Time right now for the college football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Don't forget in January... They're focused on Ford SUVs that perform like sport utility vehicles are supposed to uh, perform. Drive a Ford. Drive it like a Ford. A Ford SUV, that is. You can check out uh, the SUVs, whether it's the Explorer or the Expedition or the Escape. at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. News out of Baton Rouge. What do you guys make of this? Dave Aranda obviously got the head coaching job. At Baylor And so Ed Ogeron and LSU have been in the market For a new defensive coordinator Where did they go? To a former LSU defensive coordinator Youngstown State head coach Bo Pelini Is reportedly receiving a multi-year deal That will uh, will pay him around $2 million According to a report from Ross Dellinger Tigers started their search for a new D coordinator earlier this month after Dave Aranda left to go to Baylor. Bellini was LSU's defensive coordinator 2005-06-07 and seven under Les Miles. Final year, they won the national championship over Ohio State. Left LSU to become the head coach at Nebraska. 68-27 and 27 over seven years, um, but didn't win enough to satisfy Nebraska fans on top of Well, some off-the-field stuff that just got him in trouble, saying stuff that he shouldn't have said, being overly negative, some stuff that got caught on tape and whatnot. So Nebraska let him go, and he's been at uh, Youngstown State ever since. Past five years, 33-28
2: and as a head coach there. Morky, were you going to say something? I was just going to say, go Penguins. The Youngstown State fighting Penguins.
1: Um, that means the return of the faux Polini Twitter account to SEC country. Man, he's not been as active lately. He's just—it's a shame because he used to but be. But that
0: said, today he did change his name to faux F E A U X Polini. So maybe and he's also said hi.
1: He said hi at LSU football. <laughs>
0: he's back,
2: man. You want to talk? We've talked a lot about tests for Ed Orgeron, and I mean. Clearly, he's very different winning the national championship. But you want to talk about a test of personality. Having those two guys in their past in the same room, that's – I could not imagine. It's pretty intense, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. I mean, look, maybe they're both rehabilitated, but hearing Ed Orgeron trying to calm down Bo Pelini, I mean, you could sell tickets to that. Just have a pay-per-view live feed of their defensive team meeting room.
4: Hmm.
1: I think I would be on board with watching that. <laughs> I absolutely would. What do you make of the hire?
0: It's a good hire. He's, he's a good defensive coach. And, and LSU always has talent, so you just got to have a coach who can get those guys. You need to have your guys in the right place at the right time, obviously, because that's how you make tackles. But he, he's a good coach, solid, solid it should, there should be no drop-off for LSU defensively. Obviously, we're waiting to see what happens with them all on offense.
1: Do you think that ultimately Ed Ogeron is going to try to replace Joe Brady with the next Joe Brady? Or didn't he th-
2: lose that guy? There was talk, and I forget his name, and I feel like an idiot for doing so, but one of his analysts was – People around there thought that he was Joe Brady 2.0 was going to get promoted to passing game coordinator, and they were going to keep on ticking. But he went to Baylor with Dave Aranda.
0: But there are plenty of bright young offensive minds out yeah. there. You just, you know, who who knew who Joe Brady was two seasons ago? I Maybe mean, they never heard of him. There, there's somebody like that right now, and if they put the research in, they'll find him. And again, talent's not an issue for them. They got to replace Joe Burrow, obviously, and that's a huge ask. But the, 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 I have no doubt that they can still continue to be uh, as wide open as they were. Can they be as effective? That's that's the question.
1: So, Baylor's Joey McGuire, who some people internally wanted to get the head coaching job, is staying on with Dave Aranda. Um, that was a report from a few days ago. Do you think that'll work there?
2: What? Dave Aranda. you think he's got a, a shot at... Keeping Baylor at the level that Matt Rule brought them to quickly.
1: You know, I don't know because we've never seen it with Dave Aranda as a head coach. But I'm really impressed with him when I hear him talk. I, I like his demeanor, and I think he's going to be successful. Is he going to be as successful as Matt Rule? I, I don't know. I mean, Matt Rule has been like the the king of reclamation projects. But he, he, he's never stayed at a place long enough to prove that it was something that would be sustainable over a long period of time. Baylor didn't have a great recruiting class coming in this year, although the staff that Dave Aranda's putting together has got some big-time recruiters on it. Uh, Dennis Johnson, former LSU defensive line coach, is joining the staff there and is thought of very highly As a recruiter, Uh, LSU offensive analyst, I don't know if it's George or Jorge Munoz, I think is the guy you were talking about. That's the guy I'm talking about. Wide receivers coach, going to be on uh, the staff. And also, Austin Thomas, most recently LSU and Texas A&M, or formerly of LSU and then most recently at Texas A&M, is going to be the general manager. He's going to run the recruiting operation and kind of run the the day-to-day operation of the football program. So, should that be commonplace, do you think? It's it's becoming more
2: commonplace. I mean, what does it hurt, right? It's basically a professional franchise with how much money it's bringing in and how important winning is, so you might as well run it like one.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. And, I mean, that position has existed in multiple places. It just hasn't been called general manager. So, we'll see. Time for the Pearl River Resort Pick of the Day, brought to you by the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge, the Golden Moon Casino in Philadelphia. If you're in the area, check them out. Today would have been a nice day to sneak out and play a little bit of golf. Blue skies, sunshine, not as cold. Dancing Rabbit, going to be great this spring. Just waiting on a little bit of warm weather. They're waiting on that 70 and sunshine, like we'll have for opening day of baseball season as well. Uh, if you're in the area, check them out. Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge and all that the Golden Moon Casino Pearl River Resort has got to offer. Kind of limited on your basketball options tonight. Let's go to the Big 12. So Oklahoma State is coming off a win on the road against Texas A&M in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Kansas was able to hold on for dear life and beat Tennessee in their first game after the crazy incident. Silvio De Sousa, you know, or, de, or excuse me, De Sousa, if you look a little closely, had not been as big a part of the rotation as a lot of people thought. So Kansas on the road in the Big 12, a 7 point favorite at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, what, started league play 0-6, 0-5, or 0-6 in the Big 12? Let's say Kansas minus the 7 tonight. Kind of raised your eyebrows there, Rippy. You don't love that? No, that was uh, something
0: unrelated. Okay. Fair enough. He was he regretting lose. his choice of beards. That's what it was.
1: Are you Are you looking at a picture of Mike Bianco's beard? I do not have a photo of it. Did you have a chance to talk to Mike Bianco, and then you did not ask that question? It's January, man. Got a long way to go. You didn't feel like that was a good bullet to, to fire? Hey, are you going to stick with the beard through opening day?
3: Nope. Left that one in the holster.
2: I told him this morning that now is the best time because if they start losing games, he won't be as privy to answering his questions.
1: I don't know about that. Uh, Mike Bianco ooh, sh- Hopefully in the next few days, certainly in the next couple of weeks, we'll uh, join us, we'll talk some baseball with him. If if he still has the beard when we do that interview, I'll ask him if he's going to keep it for opening day. I'm not scared, Rippy. If you missed it earlier, I'm going to play it for you again. Farm Bureau phone line.